0: What are some of the things that we can learn from Jesus being tempted in the wilderness? What are our areas of vulnerability? These are the things we're going to talk about today and more on BibleStudyPodcast.org starting now. $10 was... Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, March the 18th of 2009, and as always, I am your host, Toby Logsdon, and welcome to part two of our lesson on Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, titled from triumph into temptation, trials, and testing. We hope you enjoyed the first half of our study, and here in our text we find that our Lord Jesus has been led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted out in the wilderness. Now we've got a lot to cover in the second half of this lesson, so let's pick it up with where we left off in part one. We'll start with some review, and then we'll go ahead and continue into part two of this lesson. God bless you guys, and thank you for joining us today. The serious truth is that Satan is a real character who will try to manipulate Christians. And fear is one of his tactics, but when it comes to destroying a Christian's walk with Christ, one of his favorite tactics is temptation. The Bible tells us that he can be as ferocious as a lion, or that he can present himself as an angel of light. When we read this, when we read this text, we see that there are actually several key insights for dealing with temptation that we as Christians can gain from this passage. Here's Jesus being tempted. And so what we gather from this is that because we can relate to Christ, we can follow the example of That he set. Now, the example that he set here, one of the examples that he set here, is that he discussed his weaknesses and his temptations with his closest friends. He is transparent. He puts himself out there and says, This is what I have gone through. And you know what? We as Christians, we should be doing the same thing. Because if we hide our temptations, there's only one thing that we're doing we're making ourselves all the more vulnerable to them. The second thing that we can get is that temptation is a virtual guarantee. We can be completely in line with God's will, we can be following the Spirit as closely as we possibly can be, and there will still be times when temptation will be presented. And you know, as Christians, we're also out on the front lines of a spiritual battle, and the enemy will target us. He has his crosshairs set. On us. And you know, we are especially vulnerable to temptation after a time of triumph in our lives and in our walks with Jesus. Times of triumph in our walk as Christians are rewarding. There is nothing that feels better than a time of triumph as a Christian. There is nothing. Nothing compares to it. And what's punishing? Punishing is when we feel guilt, when we do something that falls just totally short and we think, I knew better than to do that. Satan wants us to make an association in our lives as Christians between the times of triumph and the times of temptation and tribulation. And the third thing that we can learn from this is that temptation is almost always, it is almost always aimed at your greatest weakness. You know, here Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. His body was weak. It says that he was hungry. And this is probably the biggest understatement in all of the Bible. You know, we go for maybe a day, if you ever tried fasting for a day, and we feel famished. You know, we're hungry. And here Jesus has gone 40 days and 40 nights without eating. And he says that he was hungry. Now, was he drinking? Yeah, he probably was. There are certain fasts that you can do in which you drink at night, and that's probably what Jesus was doing here. You know, we've seen that he is 100% human, and a human simply won't last 40 days out in the wilderness without something to drink. So it's very likely that Jesus was drinking uh at night. He was drinking water at night. But his body was weak because he wasn't eating. Now, it's been said that temptation usually creeps in through doors that we've intentionally left open. And so what we find here as we go through this text, we see that we have three primary areas of vulnerability. The first thing we see is that we have a physical vulnerability. Satan comes to him and he says, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. He's trying to play on Jesus' physical vulnerability, his hunger his weakness in the body. So Jesus' first temptation, or the, the first temptation that Satan gives him, is to turn the stones into bread. Now, why did Satan start with this temptation? It's because at the time, it was Jesus' greatest weakness. You know, this is a test that Esau, if you'll remember, had failed Miserably, And if you know the story of Jacob and Esau, what happened was Esau was this hunter. Jacob was kind of the homebody. He liked to hang around home, do stuff around the home. And so Esau goes out and he's a hunter, right? He's trying to find some meat to bring home for dinner, but he doesn't find anything. And so he comes home and he's just, he's starving. And so he says to Jacob, please give me some of that soup that you have so that I don't die because I'm so hungry here. And so Jacob says, well, you know, I'll give you something to eat if you'll trade me your birthright for a bowl of soup. And so what does he do? Well, Esau is totally focused on his flesh. He's totally focused on the here and now. And so what does he do? He trades his birthright for temporary satisfaction. And notice in our in our text here with Jesus, Satan didn't tempt Jesus to do something big. He didn't say, Jesus, why don't you turn these rocks into cheeseburgers? Why don't you turn these rocks into filet mignon? He says, why don't you turn them into bread? He tempted him to do something small because that's where temptation always starts it always starts with something small and you work toward something big let me ask you would you buy a bus ticket to a place at just some unknown destination well every time you give in to sin a new sin and it starts with something small that's exactly what it is it's an unknown destination because it's taking you someplace that you don't want to go you don't even know where it is you don't know where that bus stops So you know something else that Satan is tempting Jesus to do? He's also tempting Jesus to abuse his power and to abuse his position. And let me tell you something. There's nothing that will make your light shine dimmer in this world than falling to temptation. See, he knows. The devil knows that he can't extinguish the light that's within you. But what he can do is he can get you to cover it up. He can get you to hide the fact that you are a Christian. And he's also tempting Jesus to have his needs met in a way that doesn't glorify God. Could Jesus have turned these stones into bread? Yeah, he could have. He could have done that at any point during those 40 days, but it wouldn't have glorified God. It wouldn't have glorified God because it would have been something that he would have done without trusting in God to provide we know they say that opportunity only knocks once, but I've also heard it said the temptation will lean on the doorbell. Opportunity knocks once, temptation leans on the doorbell. And you know, rarely will temptation cease. Rarely will temptation cease when it is initially resisted. See, there's a second temptation that Jesus faces, not testing his physical vulnerability, but testing his mental vulnerability. You know, as Christians... The life of a Christian, the walk of a Christian can be just exhausting. It can be mentally draining because we're constantly engaged in this spiritual battle. And so we're far more vulnerable to giving in to temptation when we've been mentally worn down. And the devil will try to mentally wear us down. And here, Satan is tempting Jesus to do something that would, under most circumstances, be considered to be A pretty stupid act. We read here in verse 5, Then the devil took him into the place of the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And here he's leading him into Jerusalem, to the top of the temple. That was the highest point of the temple. And he says to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He's tempting Jesus to do something that would really test Jesus's trust in God. He's tempting Jesus to put God's love and providence to the test. See, in the first in the first temptation, Jesus affirmed that he trusted in God to provide for his every physical need. And so what Satan is doing here is he's saying, "Oh, you trust God, do you? Well, let's see how much you trust him." And so Satan is going to take this to some extreme measures to test our trust in the Father's care. He'll do that with us too, believe me. He'll test us to do some pretty radical, ridiculous things. You know, there's a story of two men who were in a small airplane, and as they were coming in for a landing, they realized that their landing gear wasn't coming down. And so they tried flipping the switch on and off and on and off, and it just wasn't coming down. Something was jammed. And so they ascended again, And they came back around only to have the same problem as they approached the runway once again. And so one of the men says to the other, well, where is God now? And so the other man replies, he's right here with us. Why don't you ask him to fix our landing gear and save us while I prepare our parachutes? See, the fact is that if Jesus would have fallen to this temptation, maybe it would have killed Jesus, maybe it wouldn't have, but it would have ended his ministry before it even began and thus rendering all of humanity lost and unredeemable because we wouldn't have this spotless lamb with whom the Father is well-pleased. See, what he's trying to do, what Satan's trying to do, the Father just expressed his approval. He's trying to get the lamb dirty. He's trying to put a blemish on the lamb. And you see, as Christians, sometimes We're kind of in the same boat. We might be tempted to demand that God give us some kind of physical proof that he's blessing us. Give us some kind of physical evidence that you're with us, God. But then, you know, wisdom. Wisdom demands that we trust him and we just follow the directions that he's given us in his word as closely as possible until he explicitly tells us to do otherwise. You know, we can be doing all of the right things as Christians. We can be praying constantly we can be reading his word we can be doing all the right things and yet not find a single hint of visual evidence that we're being blessed and it's in those moments that we have to seek and trust god wholeheartedly rather than testing him rather than demanding that he give us some kind of physical tangible proof of his blessing now, in addition to having physical and mental vulnerabilities, we also have a third area that Satan will target, and that is a spiritual vulnerability. Here, Satan tempts Jesus to worship him in exchange for all the kingdoms of the earth. If Jesus will only bow down and worship Satan, he says in verse 8, The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory, and he said to him, All these things I will give you if you just fall down and worship me. See, what he's doing here, what Satan is doing, he's offering Jesus possession of the things that Jesus himself created. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we read, For by him, that is, Jesus, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, get this, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So he's offering Jesus the opportunity to take hold of the things that Jesus has already created and which were created for him. You know, Satan will often make promises that he can't keep when he tempts you, when he tempts me, when he offers temptation. He's going to offer you something that he can't really hold up to, promising things that he can't provide. And Satan is also testing Jesus' love for humanity. Does Jesus value his own life above the life of everyone else? See, he knows that these thrones and these kingdoms of the earth belong to Jesus and that eventually every knee will bow. And he's saying, Jesus, you know what? You don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to suffer. You don't need to go through the torment. You don't need to be despised and rejected by men. You can have all these things right now if you just take your eyes off of God for a second and put them on me. See, the fact is that ultimately every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, we read that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And you know what? Jesus wouldn't dare take a shortcut to establishing the kingdom. He loves us enough. He loves the world so much that he'd rather take the cross. Otherwise, he'd have a kingdom without citizens because if Jesus would have fallen to this temptation, he wouldn't have been the perfect, unblemished sacrifice for humanity and everybody would have been tossed into hell and suffered eternal torment right alongside Satan and all of the other fallen angels. Misery loves company. That applies to Satan just as well as anything else. And you know, there will be plenty of spiritual temptation facing us as Christians, because that is one of our greatest vulnerabilities. We'll have the temptation to compare what we can do, our gifts. You know, we've each been given a gift and we'll have this temptation to compare what we can do and what we've been gifted to do with what somebody else has been gifted to do and this is something that i learned very early on in my ministry here with the podcast is that i can't be comparing myself to anybody else because you know what we've all got different gifts but i'm tempted i'm tempted to see where do we rank this week how are our downloads doing today etc cetera, etc cetera. how many people are listening to us you know all that stuff is great but you know what it doesn't really matter because there's no point in comparing what I have and what I can do to what anybody else has or what anybody else can do because God has gifted each one of us uniquely. And so we'll be tempted to compare ourselves to other Christians. And you know, another temptation that's really common is you know, once we start studying the Bible and understanding what the Bible says, we'll be tempted to become legalists trying to measure our spirituality. And you know what happens when we start doing that? spiritual burnout spiritual burnout and so we have to resist these temptations we have to resist the temptation to become legalistic, we have to resist the temptation to compare our gifts and abilities to the gifts and abilities of others you know the enemy is going to target our physical, mental, and spiritual vulnerabilities, those are our three main vulnerabilities, and we have to recognize those vulnerabilities we have to be keenly aware of them, and we have to safeguard them for our own protection. You know, every sin, get this, every sin enters through a door of temptation that we have left unguarded. Whether that is deliberate or not is a different sermon, but the fact is that if we leave a door of temptation unguarded, temptation is free to walk right on in. There's one other thing we can gather from this text that I want you to remember, and that is the temptation won't last forever. You know, believe me, I know, I speak from experience when I say that. I know it's easy to say to ourselves, I just can't take this anymore. I can't resist this temptation anymore. It is just getting the better of me. Maybe I should just give in this one time and, you know, next time I won't. I can't take it anymore right now. But you know what? The fact is that we can. We can take it. We can persevere through it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, we read, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Endure it. The Bible promises us that even though temptation can push us to our physical, mental, and spiritual limits, Satan will eventually flee there will come a point where he will let up james chapter 4 verse 7 says resist the devil and he will flee from you and you know as christians victory over temptation is ours to be had we don't have to sin we have a choice and so one time we might resist it and we might triumph over it but i can guarantee you that the enemy will be back And you can count on it. He'll wait for the next time that you are weak. Maybe, you know, this time you don't give in to this temptation, but you know what? He's going to find you next time, and he's going to present you with an even stronger temptation. Luke chapter 4, verse 13. This is giving the same story of Jesus out in the wilderness being tempted. And it says, When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him. The devil left Jesus until an opportune time. And the devil will wait for another opportune time to tempt us to fall. And so what does this tell us? It tells us to stay on guard, to stay alert, to keep the stops in place. What are you doing to prevent sin in your life? Do you have an accountability partner? Do you have a prayer partner? Do you have somebody that you can be open and vulnerable and transparent with? Keep those things in place. And this requires outright, wholehearted dedication, and commitment to holiness. This requires commitment to living a holy and righteous life, to yielding to Christ living in us. And in closing, there's one more principle to be derived from this text, which is totally relevant to our lives as Christians, and that is, to know the Word of God, we must continually be prepared by learning and memorizing the Word of God. Of God. See, what we find here is that Satan has been using the Word of God to tempt Jesus. He's tempting Jesus with his own words, with God's own words. And if Jesus didn't know what the Scriptures really said, he might have given in to it. But he knew what Scripture said. He knew that Satan was abusing the text. Let me ask you guys have you heard? of a forced confession. Have you ever heard of a forced confession? That's when somebody is tortured or or beaten until they finally admit that they have committed a crime. Whether they have actually done so or not, what happens is they get to the point where they're just like, I don't care if I have to say that I've done this even though I haven't. I just want this torture to stop so I'll say that I've done it. And the problem is that with a forced confession you also get false confessions. And that's what we're finding here. He's saying that this is what Scripture says, but what he's doing is he's torturing the text. He is abusing the text in order to get it to say what he wants it to say. And I'll tell you, that the Bible will say, it will support whatever you want it to say or support. You can twist the text to say whatever you want. Scripture is like a prisoner of war. It's like a torture victim. If you twist it and if you torture it enough... You'll get it to say whatever you want it to say. You want to support sin? Yeah, you can support sin with the Bible. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. We're under grace. We're not under the law. We're not going to be condemned. There's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. But that's not really what it's saying. And so the only way to learn the Bible is to immerse ourselves in the regular study of it and to memorize it. And to use it the way it was meant to be used. And that is for righteousness. And I think that's something that David caught on to. David wrote in Psalm 119 verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have read your word, God. I have read your word. I've memorized it. And now I'm going to use it as a weapon against temptation. You know, our walks as Christians are going to involve temptation in our weakest moments. That is guaranteed. And so what are we going to do to prepare ourselves for those times? See, dealing with temptation as a Christian is going to require awareness, preparation, and commitment. We've got to be committed to those things in order to triumph over temptation. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you again for your word. Lord, your word tells us that you will lead us to temptation in order to strengthen us and in order to refine us. And so, Lord, we thank you for those tempting moments, as difficult as they are for us. We thank you for bringing us to places where we reach the end of ourselves, and where all we have left is to rely on you. Lord, we love you. And in order for us to live holy and righteous lives, lives that glorify you, we have to learn how to be victorious over temptation. So Lord, I pray that you would just continually instruct us. We pray, Lord, that you would convict us in our hearts of any wrongdoing. But we also pray, Lord, that you would not lead us into temptation because we are weak. We are a weak people. And we forget how to rely on you. But Lord, we know that all things work for the good of those who love you. And we love you, and we just pray that you will continue to refine us, continue to purify our lives for you, that you would set us apart as a people for yourself. We love you, and we just want to shine for you in this world, in this dark, dark world. So we give you this time, and we commit ourselves to you again today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for listening. I hope this is something that you guys have enjoyed. Uh, just to remind you guys that we will start up our apologetics lessons again in a couple weeks, but uh, until I've got everything done for school, I'm trying to kind of cut down on what I'm uh, what I'm doing here with the podcast just for a month or so. So anyway, if you guys have any questions, as always, you can email me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com, and uh, I look forward to uh, getting your questions. We'll be doing another Q&A next month. And uh, so anytime you guys have uh, questions, potentially for the next Q&A, get them over to me. I'm happy to take them. So anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll see you next time on BibleStudyPodcast.com. Keep going closer to Jesus. Let's do